Oh, I love spoilers. Welcome back to the Rumble Pack podcast for another bonus episode on our favourite non-gaming thing. <laughs> Hello, um, Walker. What's your name? Frank Walker. Frank Walker. <laughs> uh, so, we're, we're back to keep on the tradition of reviewing all of the latest uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe content. Yeah. And uh, we recently, finally, got, got to get out of the house and see Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yep. Followed by the Eternals, like, uh, oh, Eternals, like one. a week later. A week later, yeah, we saw them a week apart at the cinemas because mm. all the movies in that year in uh, here in Victoria and Australia were closed for so long. So we've been in lockdown for I don't know how long, three decades. Something yeah, like something like that. And I think I, um, I think when I was born, my mum gave me straight to uh, straight over to like. The, the hospital people and then I it was just reunited with my mum the other day. So <laughs> okay. I think it was a bit of a quarantine in between and, you know, uh, it feels like that long anyway. Funnily enough, you both had to get your toe done at the same place and it was like, mum? <laughs> yeah, that's what brought us back together. Our, our immaculate big toes. <laughs> yeah. There's no mistaking the bright big toe. No, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so we went to the movies Got some popcorn, had some pods. Uh, yes. What else did we have? We had, uh, we had Choc Top. When we had uh, Japanese before at- uh, Japanese, yeah. Fukutante. Yep. At the Docklands there. Yep, when we really saw nice. Shang-Chi and then- and We'd been hanging out to get back to that place for ages. Oh, and- We thought it closed. And it delivered as well. Oh, we thought it closed. We had so much rice. I, we, I tried to eat the whole bowl of rice with my chopsticks. So you excited did. was I to be back in there. <laughs> uh, it was very sad to watch. Hey, three ga- grains is a, mo- is a moderate and steady pace. <laughs> I was just shoving it in with the spoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we saw these movies and we thought, let's talk about them on podcast. Mm. And yeah. here we are talking about them on the podcast. What did you think of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings? It was one of- like, um, when, Again- we keep setting ourselves up to be surprised by everything Marvel do, which isn't a bad thing, really, come release, because mm. we're always pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And this is no different. I loved this movie. Yeah, it was great. It was, as a, as a whole, it was just so, like, I guess it doesn't have, like, the same impact of, say, some of the other movies. Like, it's not universe-breaking, like, uh, Guardians or Thor. Eternals. Eternals, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's not, like... Uh, I don't know. That's it's not full of superpowers necessarily, or anything like that. But the like the kung fu choreography in this movie, followed and the really well paced story, as well as the well spread out action, which is plenty of, it was just so satisfying. It was a, a really really satisfying movie that honestly was not. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie in terms of being the best in the MCU or outdoing Endgame, for example, or Thor Ragnarok, two of my favourites, but it was essentially flawless. I yeah. can't say there's nothing, one one thing that stood out where I go, no, I could have done, you know, they should have fixed that or uh, done this differently. I was, I was wrapped with the movie. I can say one thing that wasn't flawless and that was 
something that you can almost say it was flawed. The people, yeah, the people that our cinema. So we haven't talked even talked about the characters yet, but there's a character named Katie, who's uh, like the best friend to Shang Chi. Who? What's Shang Chi's um, English name? Sean. Sean. Um, makes sense. The early in the movie, I just thought it wasn't. It hadn't really took off yet, taken off yet, and Katie's character is just very. Like this is the comedic part of the film. Very abrasive. And some of the stuff she said early in the movie just did not did not make us laugh. But nah. the people in our cinema thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And which, I which still warms you a bit. I felt like, you know, am I a bit of an old grump now? I don't know. Because she did say some things toward the end of the movie I laughed at, but from the get-go, it seemed a bit it was a bit slow. Yeah, it wasn't picking up yet. And she was just like not funny to me. But then all of a sudden they're on this um, tram mm. uh, in San Francisco. Oh, like a it's like a bus that's connected with the the thing in the middle. Because ah, oh, sorry, it is a bus. Yeah, yeah. not a tram. Mm. Yeah, they're on a bus, and uh, all of a sudden, these guys are coming after Sean, and the guy's got like a half his arms gone. It's like a massive sword. Yeah, and uh, the movie from there is almost flawless. Yeah, Razor Fist. It's just that first about fifteen minutes after the intro, which is nice with. Um, with the, we'll get into that in a sec. There's just that break between the very start and that where it's just Sean and Katie in San Francisco, which was just a bit whatever mm. I thought. But yeah, yeah. And so the back, the general background of the story is that there was this uh, sort of like this leader of uh, this, uh, like it's like a mercenary group mm-hmm. called uh, called the the Ten Rings, which is based on their leader uh, Shu Xieling. Yeah, and he is basically like. This yeah, this mercenary who throughout history used these mystical ten rings. They're almost like these, uh, almost like forearm armor, but they project off, so they can yeah. you, you, they shoot off and you know project him forwards or punch other people. And I am doing gestures that we're <laughs> laughing at. It's uh, like an interpretive dance. It is, yeah. <laughs> it helps me understand, uh, you know, what's going on yeah. in the world. <laughs> and uh, so, they're, so they're really cool weapons. But he bases his he names his mercenary group after them. And he's yeah. basically like a thousand years old because mm-hmm. he lives on through their mystical properties, basically. Funnily enough, he's eternal. He is eternal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then I guess so he ends up coming to this almost like an ancient, uh, uh, this mystical doorway into this village in an alt- alternate universe almost. Yeah. And these, this gateway is protected, which is really hard to get to. You can only do it in the right sequence going through this bamboo bamboo forest uh, as it like it's this path that shows itself like five minutes a day yeah you have to get there at the right time and, and the forest like tries to eat you alive yeah like comes after you and everything yeah mm. and so he gets to this gateway and it's actually protected by uh, this uh, woman who's like a guardian essentially and he fights with her because he wants to get the secrets and uh, basically he's like a full on kung fu artist like full of punches and using the ten rings whereas she's like this almost like a tai chi Based martial artists, where it's all about mm-hmm. the deflection and like almost like dancing. It's like a like a water dance sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, where it's all about you know redirecting strikes rather than going full out punching. Mm-hmm. And this scene is the start of what is for me the most satisfying kung fu uh, action in any movie. And I yeah. I watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon the other night because I f- was finally felt in the in the mood to 
uh, to watch it because this weird, the weird drifty combat in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon always put me off because they literally just, they're like puppets. They just fly and drift mm. through trees and it's really off-putting. But this found the perfect balance between almost like a nod to those movies where it's a bit ridiculous, but the, it's just so tight mm. in terms of choreography. Yeah, that opening scene with those two characters coming to blows, but then also, but almost respecting each other halfway through and then they're almost teaching each other from the start. Mm. It was a really nice yeah. opening scene. And you could tell straight away that they were, they were probably his parents. Yeah. Um, it just it just made sense. Yeah. But everything they did in that movie, all the all the fighting, it was just so so nice to watch. Mm. It wasn't so overboard that it was ridiculous, but it was also it was a bit out of out of the average person's limits. Mm. So it was like right in that sweet spot of epicness. Yeah. If that makes sense, it was it was cool. Believable epicness. Yeah. Because I think it's like so from basically from here and this is just setting up the a plot loosely, it's sort of like they end up falling in love, have uh, Shang Chi, uh, and then they basically, uh, basically, uh, he runs away from his destiny to become a mercenary for his father. Yeah, he's trained from like a young age to be like this crazy kung fu artist and a, and a hitman basically. Yeah, and uh, he basically runs away from it, and that's where we pick up with him in San Francisco. So when yeah. this fight scene comes along in this bar, in this bus, it's all just like. It's and it's no superhero kung fu either. Like the, no. the even the CG with some of the moves, like him whipping around the uh, the handlebars and handrails in the bus and in and out of windows, it looks so real. It did, but it looks obviously ridiculous. Like um, totally impossible for me or you to do. Would never even <laughs> dream of it. But you can almost see like, wow, someone would actually be able to do this. Yeah, uh, for sure. And it looks so good. I, I was. It was just. So fun to watch, and I, I just wanted to keep going because you can see the training the um, the actor put himself through probably to try mm. to master some of these scenes. And yep. there's never one point where they you lose track of his face, so it always looks like it's him doing it. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. some was CG. I'm sure he did a lot of it. Mm. But when you, because obviously there's some scenes where you, you can distinctly tell where they've tr- where they've got the the stunt double in because they just literally suddenly that you're looking at the back of the head when you should be looking at the front. Uh, yeah. And this just didn't have it. It was just the the whole movie, uh, start to finish. They just uh, they made it all look all look great, all look heavy hitting. Um, they and uh, this may be going sorry too far ahead, uh, but the the way they infused it with almost uh, Chinese culture um, and sort of like mythology and I suppose like spirituality was like masterfully done. Yeah, it just it really gave. Uh, uh, when they go back to when they go back to China uh, for a lot of the end game sort of stuff, it was just uh, it was just really a real delight, and it, they just seem so yeah. in, in tuned with what they're doing. It's not fighting for the sake of fighting; it's just uh, it's all about you know protecting things rather than it's all about defense rather than attack. Yeah, yeah. I love the setting of the Ten Rings headquarters mm. right up in the mountains, and I, I liked how they just drove normal expensive cars yeah i don't know there was something about them being connected to the real world still that made them even cooler Mm. they were so underground and they would have been they'd be involved everywhere over the whole world Mm. that you would never know yeah i think that's cool Mm. um but some of the some of the characters we should just yeah touch on so we got shang chi of course pretty cool played by played by simu lu it's his last name's L I U, so I'm not sure. Liu, Lai Liu, Liu. Mm. but he's. I think he did a great job. 
Mm. And I'm excited to see him interact with a lot of the other characters in the universe. Mm. Charismatic without being a tool. Yeah, he wasn't so overboard or, no. or anything like that. He was just good. Yeah, mm. and, he, and he played uh, he played the dramatic role well in the end, few ending scenes as mm. well. Um, and then you got Katie, his best friend, played by Aquafina. Some people, a lot of people would know her. She's a rapper. Oh, is she? And she's almost like a comedian blend. Yeah, she's- her voice is not for everyone. It's abrasive as hell. Yeah, but she's she's better than. She, like you said, we struggle to laugh sometimes, but I still appreciated her uh, comic relief that wasn't shoehorned too badly. I expected it to be quite uh, intensely shoehorned, but it was okay. Yeah. Some of the lines she said did hit were quite funny. Mm. She wasn't awful. Um, although she makes a shot with an arrow near the end, it's a bit ridiculous, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we've got, I believe his name is Wenmu, uh, who's the father. Yes. Um, Who did I say? I said she. Uh, yeah, I, I said another character before. Yeah, I, I meant know. to say Wenmu. Sorry. Pretty sure Wenmu. that's what it was. He's played by Tony Lung, Chi Wei, and I thought he. I thought that character was great because I really liked that he had really solid motivations for everything that he's doing. Because his wife passes away, and he it makes him turn somewhat evil, and then yeah. he blames her people, and he tries to go into that world and destroy it. Mm. Because he thinks that they're holding his wife captive. Yeah. And it's, yeah, everything he did, I don't know, he had really solid motivations for it. And even towards the end of the movie, he realized his mistakes mm. as well. And I don't know, I, thought, I just thought he was great. Very redeemable. And yeah. it's, it's totally just driven by guilt and lost because, loss. Because the best thing about this is when, and early on, we get, we get this feeling like, oh, here we go. He's going to try to seduce this guardian lady. Uh, because he needs, he wants the power. Mm. But it turns out he literally just did it. He ended up giving up on all of that ambition yep. to be a mercenary because he fell in love with this woman. Yeah. And it was just, and it was genuine. Uh, and you sort of think, oh, he's going to turn here. He's going to hate her at some point. But he, he didn't. He totally loved her. And the loss of her uh, by some, uh, I think some basically mobsters who came yeah. to exact revenge on him, they ended up killing her instead. And it just totally broke him. Mm. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a great. Um, it's just a great motivation, and I'm I'm so glad. I said to you straight after the movie. I think I was so glad that that love story meant something, and it wasn't just him an avenue for him to get what he wanted. Yeah, and it was just sure. it was really refreshing. Well, what was nice too is even though he brought back um, Shang Chi and uh, Zhai Ling, who is Shang Chi's sister, and that's who I said was the father before. Got <laughs> <laughs> the names muddled up. Um, <laughs> Even though he brought them back to the Ten Rings headquarters sort of against their will, he never showed any, like he didn't hate them or anything. He still loved his children, even towards the very end. Mm. He always loved his kids. Like he didn't want to fight Shang-Chi. No. Even at the end, he was like, I don't want, you know, don't make me do this or something he said, you know, and Shang-Chi was just fighting for the right cause, of course. But he was just, yeah, he's a great character. I think he's one of the best Marvel villains there's been. Totally. Uh, yeah. Because it's because, like I said, it's relatively flawless. It's not necessarily mm. the biggest threat ever. He's just well-written yeah. and, and done well for what he is. And I think and even that motivation of where he, once his uh, wife died, uh, uh, Shang-Chi's mum died, mm-hmm. uh, they he decided to get back into the mercenary game, I think, to track down the people who um, killed her. Yeah. 
and even that, it's a sort of like a real tortured thing because he becomes relatively Australian, like distant from uh, Shang-Chi as well, which yeah. is why he doesn't, he resents his dad because he's like, he trained me up 14 years just to be a, uh, a hitman for him. Yeah. And his dad probably saw that, but he's, I think he saw it as the only way to connect with him without him reminding him of his wife as well. Like, yeah. It's quite, it's, it's, yeah, remarkably complex in that sense. Uh, emotionally, it's, it's yeah. really good. And two other characters, uh, Ben Kingsley playing Trevor Slattery, <laughs> who is um, the fake Mandalorian from Iron Man 2. The Mandalorian. Uh, the, Man- the Mandarin. <laughs> the Mandalorian. Hey, uh, the, Ma- the Mandalorian versus Iron Man would have been a good fight. I mean, he might have played a fake Mandalorian as well. <laughs> <laughs> the fake Mandarin. Um, he's good in it. <laughs> he's just in the basement of the Ten Rings headquarters. Yeah. Um, and he has a... He has a companion animal that just looks like a butt with no face, that with wings. I don't know what he called it, but they they had a good relationship. Yeah, he's straight out of Liverpool. He's the older, he's the he's the uh, the failed actor. Yeah, and uh, former heroin addict. He has in this movie overcome his heroin addiction, mm. which is great. Yeah, he was actually quite funny. Oh, and he then was even funny. towards the end in the final battle, the the animal found him on the ground, assumedly dead, and it's like crying. And then he put his head up and he's like. Don't worry, I'm just acting because <laughs> yeah. he didn't want to get involved in any of the yeah. fighting. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was a really good character. He was good in Iron Man three. I really, I actually enjoyed the. Iron comedy. Man three was it not two. I said two before. Oh, sorry, three. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed him in Iron Man three. I thought it was a his comedy comedic value was good. One of those examples where yes, it's sort of a bit too funny for what it is, but the humor itself is really good. Yeah, like it's just the if you put an an English uh, buffoon in something. With some Eng- like an English humor into an American movie, I think it always comes across really well. Mm. This is an example. Yeah, and the last character uh, is Wong, uh, who makes a yeah quite an appearance in this movie. We see him fighting the Abomination in a fighting rink. Yeah, fighting ring fixed a fixed one. Yeah, because as soon as they're leaving, he's like, "Oh, you're meant to do such and such." Yeah, but yeah, um, and then at the end of the film, he um, yeah shows up to invite Shang-Chi to the Avengers. But mm. uh yeah, he's in the movie which is cool. It's um it, it is cool. Wong's Wong's someone who is quite a serious character, but for some reason, like somehow every like 10 minutes or so, he just has a really funny moment. <laughs> yeah. And uh the credit scene, I th- no, just before the credits in this movie is really funny as well. Uh yeah. which we don't need to cover. It's just he's just he's just a really wholesome character. Yeah, he's I good. Love him. Now before before we move on, and I think it'll be a good segue into Eternals. Um, if there's one thing we love about movies in general, but especially the MCU, it's big stuff. And we're talking we're talking physically big. Yeah, like giant things. And there was a great moment towards the end of this film where Shang-Chi's in the bottom of a lake and all of a sudden there is a gigantic dragon. And we're talking like Chinese dragon, yeah, so in, like the big serpentine. Yeah, in the water with him, and it's just Shang Chi floating in front of this dragon's face underwater. You can only just see it. One of the most, one of the coolest shots in the mm. MCU, without a doubt. Yeah, so and, epic. And I, I put it on uh, right up there with the scene from the shot from Thor Ragnarok when, uh, when the Valkyries are coming in towards um, mm-hmm. Hela. Um, Hela. Yeah. Hela? Yeah. Yeah. In this shot, it's like it's almost like an old Renaissance painting. Yeah, and, it was and this, this shot matches it, and it didn't last long enough, in our opinion, I think. No, uh, but this 
and we it's probably best not to go into it because uh, this whole final se- sequence and uh, everything that happens in it, but it's just a perfect round out of of Shang Chi's journey. Uh, like it's the com- the combat in it is incredible. The mm. visuals are perfect. Yeah, uh, like there's some there's some great face off between him and his father, uh, where each of them basically have five rings each. Yeah, it just looks spectacular. Uh, it's awesome, and it's uh, yeah, and and everything that happens thereafter, and in turn, and including how the battle ends, it's just it's well, epic. And I know, uh, I don't know, I know you you'd be struggling so much to not go into the detail, <laughs> and you totally can if you like. No, I won't. Visually, I but- won't. For anyone listening, we try to keep it as spoiler free as we can. We've already spoiled some stuff, but the the final the final act of the battle with Shang Chi. Um, he really takes on. You really see him use the absolute best of both of his mother and father's fighting styles in one big mm. move, and it's like it is just the most epic final character progression for him that they could have done. Mm. It's one of the best scenes. It's one of the best scenes in the MCU period. Yeah. I don't care. It was so good, and it's that because I think it's that perfect merge almost. If you think of his dad as being like a body fighter you know all physical and his mum being like the mind or soul mm. it's like the it's like mind and body coming together to him yeah. perfectly at once where yeah. he's going i'm going to because she's all about tai chi and michelle yo uh she's actually in hidden uh crouching tiger hidden dragon uh, she's a very famous uh, uh like hong kong action movie star from okay. i think the 90s and mm-hmm. she was in uh i think tomorrow never dies uh with pierce brosnan the bond movie yeah she was the bond girl in that and uh yeah, she sort of teaches him this whole, you know, like there's this really nice scene where she's he asked her to teach how he, um, he asked her to teach him how his mother fought because this is in this village, mm-hmm. and she stands there with with closed fists and she literally just reaches out, grabs his fists, opens them up into flat palms, and he's just like, oh wow, just that slight uh, um, change in approach for him, where it's not all about the punching, it's actually mm-hmm. about. How you carve basically like yeah. and redirect the opponents. Blows. I love the change mm. from um, closed fist to open palms. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's just it's a most subtle thing ever. Yeah, but it just shows that it's all it's more about the mind than it is about the body. And um, yeah, in this final scene, we, we, we our, our eyes were just about popping out of our heads. I'm um, pretty sure when that thing, satisfaction that final bit happened, we looked at each other. Yeah, <laughs> and we were both gobsmacked at how mm. cool it was. Yeah, a couple of. Um, Couple of good uh, post-credit scenes. We won't go into it, but rating overall. I mean, I'd give it like an A, an A at least, if it, like if a letter rating. Or Are we a nine out of ten for Shang Chi? I'd go nine out of ten. Yeah, ten it's- out of ten. Only, only not a ten out of ten because it would just it would be a bit strange. But at the same time, like I said, it's uh, there's nothing that isn't satisfying in this movie. So I- it's definitely sorry one of the most polished. MC top five most polished MCU movies. Yeah, I I have a MCU ranking list on my phone on a on a Google note that I've been doing for a long time, and uh, I put this on the very very top end of amazing tier, which is the second highest tier. Mm. So I, I rated it very highly. Well, what are your different tiers again? There's God tier, amazing tier, good tier, and not so good tier. I won't go in through it now, but maybe no. one day we'll do a bonus and we'll go through all of them, rank them all or something. And one last thing, it's now available on Disney Plus. Yep, as of uh, yeah, yesterday, I think. Yeah, so yeah, probably about a week, a few days after, a few days before this episode goes up. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not sure if it's still at the movies. If it is, please see it at the movies. But if not, you will. It is more than worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. For every watch it three 
every night this week. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of giant things, there's a movie called Eternals that we also saw a week later. And that had some gigantic things in it. Yeah. And this is a movie that leading in before it came uh, before we saw it, everyone would have seen and heard of the the general panning by critics of yeah. this movie. And we're talking like Rotten Tomatoes, what was it, 66% and everyone's freaking out at how bad that is. And yeah. technically, we are, everyone, Will and I have spoken about this. A 7 or an 8 out of 10 is not bad. People look at it these days as bad. Yeah, I know. It's still above 5. It's crazy. I'd say 5 is okay. And that came about with people not being- I don't, I don't think reviewers are just generally brave enough to give things really low scores. No. Because they give review, especially with games, reviewers give out a score of a 6 out of 10 for something that sucks. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's literally above half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. So, so for, for yeah. people out there who think 66% as a starting point is bad, it's not. No. It sort of just means it's sort of average. But mm. we're here to tell you that this movie, again, pleasantly surprised us and it, in very <laughs> different ways to Shang-Chi. It was yeah. uh, probably the more- it's. A very different sort of MCU movie. It's uh, super different. Super different. No feels MCU different. movie is like this one. No. It's very unique. Feels It feels different. It feels almost... Because these Eternals have been around like 7,000 years on Earth, yep. they feel like we're talking about gods here. We're not talking about superheroes mm. and it just feels like that. It feels like there's so much... Not so much more and they don't... And the whole uh, sort of plot point or the, the main part of the plot is that they don't actually think they're above people necessarily. Yeah. But you just know that they are. Like they it's just a really cool vibe to this movie. Yeah. It was awesome. Mm. It, like I remember when we stopped watching it when we were waiting through the credits for the post credit scenes and we were both sitting there going yeah that was like it was quite good like we liked that and every day since we've seen it I've felt better about it. Mm. Still to today it's like I just I've thought about it and I actually loved it. It was actually great. Again, we, we I think we discussed maybe two weaknesses from the movie. And that's yeah. about it. You know, the things I could have done better. And it's it's not it's not a movie where it's loaded with so much epic stuff going on. Like it's not the typical MCU movie. No. But it's so well paced. It fills it fills every minute with something worthwhile. It's not actually it's not at all um it goes for a long time. Two hours and thirty six minutes. Two and a half hours. But, yep, it's huge. And there's a couple of quite-ish minutes. It's a huge movie, but I thought it it builded perfectly. Mm. It just kept building. In fact, similar to Shang-Chi, the, the first about 15 minutes of the film were definitely its lowest point. Mm. I don't know. I thought the first, the very first time you see um, Cersei and Icarus and that fight the deviants. The two, probably the two main Eternals. Um, yeah. yeah, it was like in London and they fought these deviants. Sure, the actual fighting was fine, but it just it didn't feel like it had much weight to it, and it just felt sort of stupid. It was like, oh, mm. they kind of look dumb, and this is sort of weird. But from everything from that point, all the stories between all the stories between all of the Eternals themselves, story with the Deviants, the story with the Celestials, which we'll get into, it all just kept building to a great finish, and yeah, and then the very final scene was like the coolest shot of the whole movie as well. So, oh my god, it was a it was a really good movie, honestly. I'd say not as we didn't we wouldn't rank it higher than Shang Chi, but it wouldn't be far behind. No, and so and just for context, the story wise, like so, the Eternals are basically these celestial beings who have uh, who were put to Earth to fight off this infestation of things called um, div- divergence. deviants. Deviants, sorry, 
to fight off these deviants who uh, they're just these creatures who just need to who just kill people. So they're basically yeah. put there because they see these deviants as like a plague throughout the universe, and then they just blend in as people or as gods that basically were the influence for all these different um, pagan religions. Yeah, indirectly by their storytelling when they you know they'd come to a a certain place in like Babylon, for example. They go to Babylon uh, a few thousand years ago. They clear out this uh, uh, deviant uh, sort of horde that's there and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the people are praising them because they're like superheroes. Yeah. Well, they are superheroes. They're like gods. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, Greek mythology comes alive, not from Babylon but from Athens. Yeah. And it's really interesting in that sense how they've, through telling how they've been on Earth for this long just to monitor deviant presence, uh, like you know, seven thousand years. Yeah, they've um they've literally shaped humanity in um even even one of them Festus Fa- he, Fastos Festus Festos yeah. he created like military weapons and he and invented ca- the, and the car or something yeah so he's an inventor of the lot and he basically yeah. invented the wheel and wanted to help humanity mm, along that's so right, went, the wheel so he invents the wheel get, and gives it to them puts and one of the others uh, uh what's his name Dru- uh, Druig Dr- Druig 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 He's a he's he can he's got mind control. So yep. he takes Festus's ideas and puts them in one of the like a person's head, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, the wheel! I might invent the wheel." Yeah, and then human, you know, mankind progresses. Yeah, so it's just really interesting how they work into the history of humanity. Yeah, it's really um, cool, and that's why it's different to MCU movies. It's just mm. it's it's int- and I've said many times I love mythology, so I just love it when it's inter- intertwined in that sort of thing. Well, the way the movie was set out, it sort of followed them in the present. And then it kept flashing back to different sequences through time where they would help humanity or stuff humanity around as well mm. or, or and, you know, break apart as a group, things like that. You know, there was uh, one part where there was one part where they there was a war going on and half the Eternals wanted to let, the, let it play out because they weren't supposed to be involved and the other half wanted to stop it. Mm. And, uh, and they all split up from there. They weren't to see each other again until the mission was over or... Or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it was really, really good. But m- like most of the movie was the couple of the main characters basically getting all of the Eternals back together because the Deviants had returned after a few thousand years. They thought they were gone. Um, and it just kept building and some of the storylines were really good. Some of the um, inter-team uh, battles and mm. r- revelations, stuff like that. It was... It was great. I thought Richard Madden played Icarus very well. He was the main Eternal, basically. Yeah. Who was like essentially Superman, mm. had the eye beam power. Yeah. Um, and then you had- Flight as well. Flight, yep. And then you had uh, Gemma Chan, who played Cersei, who was- The main character. Probably the main character of the film, because mm. she became the de facto leader of the Eternals after um, Ajak, who was played by Sal- Salma Hayek, was murdered- Mm. And she left the, she leaves basically like a summoning thing for her so she can speak to Aisharim. Yeah, it's like uh, a- Aisharim? Aisharim. Yeah. yeah. So, he basically, it's this sphere that sits in Ajax's chest. Yeah. And it's like the the conduit that lets her communicate with Asherim. Yeah. And it's, um. so then all of a sudden it gets left to Cersei and she's like, all of a sudden has this direct avenue to communicate with uh Asherim, who's this celestial who's basically in com- in their commander, more or less. So, they basically listen to all the directives of this celestial. A- Arisham. 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 
And Arisham, the judge, is absolutely epic. One of maybe six Celestials, uh, seven Celestials in comic books, I think. I think it was six. Six, yeah. yeah. And he was gigantic, absolutely huge. It he, was so cool. Early scenes, we see Ajax. She's almost like projected in front of his face in space. Yep. And she takes up, like she, her body is floating there maybe a few hundred meters from his face. And his fa- and she's made to look like an ant on the screen, mm. and his face fills up more than the screen. Yeah, with these big six eyes, they're almost like hollow spaces of light, like sun energy. Yeah, and he just talks in this booming voice, and he and she floats in inside, like above his palm, raised palm, which again would be bigger. His palm would be able to hold the earth, sort of thing. His palm He's- would be like ten ten times the size of Australia. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is, it, it comes into it more at the end, but the, the sheer size, and they slowly, they show, uh, slowly introduce his size more and more. Because you see his face, like, well, it's bigger than it soon. Yeah. A bit more the next time. And yep. Like, whoa. And it all comes into play at the end, um, oh. which I don't know if we're ready to talk about just yet. Um, but <laughs> when you see the size of this bastard, he, he comes. He comes over the earth at one point, uh, and he's. Yeah, he comes over the earth, and to to talk to one of the the, the Eternals, uh, to summon them to to sort of answer to his judgment, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and his face literally fills the entire sky. Oh, it's so cool! And then it goes to him in space. He all he is is standing like floating next to the earth. He's not even that close to the earth, and his face fills the sky. Yeah, he's huge. It's the most awesomely scary thing And the sky breaks. The, he, he breaks the sky open. The, the, all the clouds and- All the clouds. He moves them to the side. Yeah. And his whole, he just takes up the whole skyline. It's it's one of the coolest things ever. Mm. So cool. It's uh, on par with The Watcher in What If, the animated show, taking up the sky. It's like the same thing, but even cooler. Bigger. Yeah. And cooler. And yeah. What If, by the way, we're going to do an episode on that. We watched yep. that first, but we need to think a bit more because seven episodes- uh, Nine episodes of- Class, pure class. Yeah, so of we'll all different there. stories too. So we'll get um, season two just announced. Yes. The one thing I want to mention too with Eternals is I really liked the side swerve of the story with Icarus. I won't 100% tell, but there's a good a good twist in there within the group. And then leading into the finale of the film, we're seeing an Eternal essentially being born mm. and- it hand its hand is poking out of the earth, and it's like, it's just so damn cool. Like it's literally poking out of this planet. It starts rising out of the oh, uh, out of the sea. It's so cool, and it's just like the size of the thing again, and and it's, oh, it's just it's awe inspiring. Like yeah. it's crazy. We we only spoke a few weeks ago about how we have only started to openly discuss big things all the time recently, yeah. and literally. <laughs> Two weeks after we started, you know, openly sharing and uh, being comfortable mm-hmm. with our our love for big things, uh, the biggest thing ever came out, <laughs> and it was just fantastic. It was just, it's it's a it's a shame that so many people will be put off from this movie because of based on critic reviews. Yeah, because the audience pe- review, mind you, the is audience about review is nine, good. Nine out of ten is good, and it's also just such a pathetic. A pathetic dialogue online about there being openly gay characters in this movie too, mm. which F- Fastos is one of. 
Yeah. And he has a husband and a kid. Yeah. And it's very normal. It's actually a, lo- a lovely plot point because yeah. he's finally settled down as a human after being eternal for so long. Yeah. He's finally become part of the people he was helped for so long. He's l- and he's finally happy in a family life. Yeah. And yeah, online people are spewing because they, they changed a the character. And honestly, if they're going to change a character, I understand sometimes, like for example, if they did it to Spider-Man, it might be different because we all love the yeah. that love story with MJ. But this is a, a character that were relatively unknown. I was going to say, this is a hmm. character that like 1% of the world would have known. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest. No one knows what Eternals are. And I didn't. I, I avoided reviews purely for that reason. Yeah. I know you mentioned it in, I think in the podcast a couple of weeks ago that people were getting outraged about this sort of thing. Mm. And I didn't have any knowledge besides what you said. And I'm glad because when I watched it, I didn't even realize the laughter. I think you might have mentioned. I was like, oh, that would be the, is that the point people were annoyed about? I yeah. didn't I'm guessing it's, that's what people were annoyed about. It and was. It's so totally minor. Was. And it's actually fine. It could have been more than what it was and it still would have been okay. And it's not like a gratuitous uh, change of sexuality. It no, literally is no. great for the it's great for the plot. Yeah. Uh, and and all of the characters in that sense have just really good in yeah. every way. Angelina Jolie, surprisingly great role. Yeah. I was gonna go through some of the characters. So Angelina Jolie playing Thena is um, actually very good. The inspiration for the goddess Athena when when that from their time in Athens, by the way. Yeah. She does a really good job with the character and, and mm. the, her character is um, sort of tripping up with her memories. She's, because, she's overloaded with memories from being so old, basically. Yeah, and she like her eyes roll on the back of her head and she wants to like kill the rest of the Eternals mm. because, she, what, because of what she's seen in her previous lives and all this stuff. And yeah, she... It's nice to see Angelina Jolie play a sort of minor role, not the front role, and she does a really good job at it. It's good. It's great. I, yeah. I, uh, that was one of the more pleasant surprises. I said to you before the movie, I was afraid of Angelina Jolie being in it because I thought she'd just, um, just sort of play sort of roles she's played in the past, like we've seen it done before, sort of thing, and she might try to, you know, let her not ego. I can't say that she's egotistical because I don't know her or know what she's like publicly enough. Her but star power. But the star, exactly, yeah. Gets to the front. I thought the star power might yeah. overawe it a bit. But yeah. He just kept her in the perfect supportive role. Yeah. And she she added some great emotional complexity to that dynamic of the whole team. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and a great fight, great moment between her and Icarus near the end where they finally fight. She yeah. says she's always wanted to fight him and it's actually a really good, really good scene. Because she spawns like weapons out of basically mirages. It's really yeah. cool. Mm. There was uh, Gilgamesh played by Don Lee who was sort of almost the sort of love interest of Thena, he would take care of her mm. while she had while she would trip with those memories and things over the over the centuries. Mm-hmm. And he was um he was fine. They're actually hiding out in Australia. Yes. Um yeah, in the right, outback. In the outback. And uh he he can like he was like super strong with his punch. And there's a few times where he punched deviants and things and it we saw it at a really good a pretty good cinema. And the sound of his punch was like booming with the bass through the cinema. It was very cool. Mm. And uh, and Gilgamesh is also, I believe, a uh, what was he? He was he was like an ancient uh, influential figure as well. Yeah. So I believed he he had a part in culture. Yep. Yeah. Implied through this story as well. We had so we had Druig and Makari, who were sort of a an item as well. Druig had the mind control powers. Makari was a, a girl that was blind. 
but had super speed. No, deaf. Oh, sorry, blind. She was deaf. That would have been, been interesting. I know. <laughs> Even as I said that, I was like, that's just, that's actually unbelievable. It's really not correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was deaf and she had super speed and her speed was really cool, especially in the final battle. She had one of the members pinned up against the rock wall and she just kept slamming into him with her super speed and it was actually- In and out. It was like bang, 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 it bang, really bang. Gave, it really made her feel fast and strong, like- I've, yeah, I hadn't felt that with the Flash in the recent um, DC films, where he just was a he's just weak. I don't know. It's annoying. Yeah, and it and it made us shed a tear for what could have been with Quicksilver. Yeah, for sure. But mm. I'm glad they brought the speed back. Yep, we had Sprite, who was a young man, uh, young girl. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I can't Sprite remember what Sprite can do. Oh, Sprite can do like. Sprite would show them visions. Illusions. Illusions. That's right. Illusionist. Yeah, similar, yeah. To, similar to Loki. And she was basically the one who was the storyteller of the group. So when they'd see her, them sitting down with like people from Babylon and they sit down with people from Babylon or something, she'd be standing there with all these like big projections up saying like, and this is when Icarus flew too close yeah. to the sun and that's yep. where the legend of Icarus comes from. Really fascinating. But the point of Sprite is that she's uh, eternally – so to speak, a a child, and her her want is just to appear like an adult, like everyone else. Yep. So she might be able to meet someone. Yeah. But the fact is, she just looks, she looks like a a teenager her whole life. Yeah. And uh, but the point is, that's a that's a good point though, Will, because I wasn't sure what it, what she was um meant to be, and I thought maybe it was like a like uh, she's meant to represent like a non-binary character, perhaps. Yeah. And I wasn't sure for a while, but I I worked out. I'm like, okay, she wants to. <laughs> I genuinely yeah. did think that she was a boy for probably ninety five percent of that film. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's, it's got the it's got a, the style is one hundred percent tomboy. So I understand. Just a few more. There's Kingo, played by Kamal uh, Nanjani, and he was um, a decent character. He was a Bollywood star. Yeah, uh, in his life with a funny uh, and he's he had a sidekick named uh, Karun. His valet played by Harish Patel, and he was very funny. Mm. He was trying to capture all of his. He was vlogging everything he was doing, and he always had the. He was always bringing up a backup camera or whatever. Yeah, and- <laughs> yeah. really, really so, funny. He so was- good. And and uh, Kilgo could have been like technically King- the we- Kingo. Kingo, sorry, could have been the weakest character, but his um his comedic relief was uh was good. It sort of balanced it out. Well. I don't think he was the weakest character. I think the weakest character was Ajax, because we never saw her do anything. Yeah. Except. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it. But I know what you mean. Yeah. All, all we really saw her do that was notable was speak with Arishem. Yeah. We never saw her do anything. Because we're not going to talk about the time where she... Oh, we will. No, we're not. <laughs> and Cersei could... Um, I just can't remember exactly what Cersei's powers were. She, she transformed something from one matter into another. Right. So she can turn sand into water. She can turn uh, w- wood yes. into rock. Yeah, things like that. And uh, she has some cool powers. And she she plays a massive role of the lead role in the um, in the final um, sort of sequence, I guess, battle. Yeah, uh, in a really in a really cool way. And she's she's a great character. I, re- I really liked her. Yeah, she was good. And the last character we should mention is uh, Kit Harrington's character, Dane Whitman, mm. who uh, was like the boyfriend of Cersei in the real world. Yeah. Um, and he, it was kind of weird. He was in, oh, the, in the 
in her human sort in of a life. Human, yeah, yeah, yeah. In her in her human Normal life. Yeah. And he uh he he knew something was up even from the start. Cersei was like teaching a class in a museum and something happened and then um Dane was like, Are you a wizard? Yeah. Or something like that. Because Sprite keeps telling him that he's she's because Sprite lives with them. Yeah. And Sprite has no filter for what they've been through because they're yeah. meant to keep it secret. And he's like, <laughs> Sprite just said you're a wizard. And he's like, she's like, oh. Yeah. yeah and he and, and then he didn't really feature hardly at all in the movie till the end. And it was kind of strange. It's like, oh, you get Kid Harrington in to play a character and he was in it for like three scenes, but then um He will be back. He'll be back in the in another form, which is shown in the post credit scene. And Game of Thrones fans will love the fact that uh, Kit Harrington slash Jon Snow and Richard Madden, aka Rob Stark, mm. both go for a girl named Cersei. Yeah, I know. How's that? <laughs> yeah, bizarre. And uh, and both are really good in this. Uh, it's it's yeah, they are. really great to see them back on screen together. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's it, that will never not warm warm my heart. Yep, you're uh, right. So so overall, big things in MCU movies is uh, is a go. Yeah, and both of these movies are great, and they both had big things. Oh, thank yeah, yeah, biggest things, the biggest things. Yeah, and so what would you give it out well, of ten? Well, Arishem was the biggest thing in the MCU period by yes. like a hundred times. Only thing that could rival him is Galactus, maybe one day. Yeah, and that's scary. I'm actually scared to see him. Yeah, I'd like to see. Well, Ego got destroyed in Guardians Two. Is that right? Yeah, I was gonna say I'd like to see Arishem just like. Flick ego through the universe or something. Yeah, <laughs> that'd save a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um. What would I give it? I'd give it a. I mean, this is. I really didn't find much faults with it. I'd have to give it like a nine out of ten, like Shang Chi. I, I thought it was great, honestly. Mm. That's. I. I really don't know what's hold. What holds me back from giving it a ten out of ten? I almost don't want to, because they're not perfect, and like so, there are a few MC movies I would give a ten out of ten, and I just know that I could watch them over and over, and I love them, and I, they're just so so polished off mm. and these are too but I think these both those films just had their moments of just a l- little bit lacking here and there some of the character designs I think the deviancy in Eternals kind of brings it down for me they're just very generic and even the, the main deviant who sort of uh, ends up becoming sentient speaking he's just like he's just like what's the point of him like I don't get what why mm. he exists he doesn't offer anything at all so I think he's a bit of a red herring in terms of it's the whole it's, he's a red herring, herring for the Eternals, not just the plot, because they're there thinking, okay, we have to be here to deal with them. And obviously it turns out that that's not necessarily the reason they're actually there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's sort of, it's sort of they, they're very important to the plot, but at the same time as a, as a – and just maybe give some action scenes as well. Yeah. Uh, but I would, I would go an 8 out of 10. And the only reason I'd put it below uh, Shang-Chi is because – I want to watch Shang Chi straight away again, and Eternals is maybe a once a year sort of movie. Well, I only really want to watch the end of Eternals again. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it was so good. But I don't want to sit through the first hour. No. Yeah, and uh, and which like the first hour is still well paced, but it's just uh, in in being different to most MCU movies, it's not full of excellent action. Mm. It was just a it's just a well crafted story. And uh, yeah. yeah, and for reference, the Eternals. Uh, was was put into my amazing tier on my list, but near the lower end of that group. Yeah. Whereas Shang Chi was uh, third from the top, right behind Spider Man Homecoming. Well, for reference, so what's above and below the two of them? Uh, above, above. 
So above Shang-Chi, there is Spider-Man Homecoming and below is Ant-Man. Above Eternals is Avengers Endgame and below is Black Widow. I can't believe Endgame and Black Widow are anywhere near each other on your list. <laughs> but we won't go into it now. I made those. I, I think upon watching some of those again, that they'll shift. Every time I watch them, they'll probably move. Yeah. Um, especially Endgame is probably one I need to rewatch. Black Widow. I, we really liked it when we saw it, but um, I'm not sure. No. It was good. It was I, fine. I thought it was good. No, it was fine. It was just fine. I am questioning Nothing that amazing tears placement for it now that Eternals and Shang-Chi are in, um, in amazing because those are both definitely better than Black Widow. Yeah. So I could probably drop Black Widow out of there. Yeah. Agreed. But amazing tier, like, it's like the same thing as review. It's like, I have a god tier, but then being an amazing tier, like, those movies are, are still amazing. Yeah. It's not like they're bad. Like, yeah. if Endgame's in amazing tier, it's not like I mean, it's bad. Mm. Yeah. It's not Thor. It's not bloody Thor 2 or The Incredible Hulk, which are in the bottom. Mate, amazing tier is technically a four out of 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good chat. We're going to be back with an episode about What If Season 1 uh, in a couple of next week, a couple of weeks, something. And then in about a month from now, we'll be going to the movies and seeing a little movie called Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, my God. I keep forgetting uh, that's out so soon. And we'll be doing a a little bonus episode on that as well because we're so excited to watch it. And I hope that is my favorite movie of all time. But I'm not. Ex- I'm not putting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the year. No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not actually going with that sort of expectation. But I, uh, Spider Man. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to die with a Spider Man movie being my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, it would be a great way mm. to go out. And a great way to be. And what's your favorite Spider Man movie of all time so far? Spider Man Two. Uh, the original Spider Man Two. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Not the amazing Spider-Man 2. Well, well there's three Spider-Man 2s. Yeah. I was like, hmm. Yeah, no. <laughs> it probably means the original trilogy. Spider-Man 2 and I love Spider-Man 3. Stuff the haters. Yeah, no, so do I. I love Spider-Man 3 as well. Yeah, I don't know what my favourite Spider-Man movie is. It's probably one of those two. You loved Homecoming. Homecoming is very good as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't pick. Hmm. I'd like to watch um, Spider-Man 2 again, actually. Which one? The original trilogy. Right. Yeah. No, uh, two, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one dash two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. We're out. Bye.